Erica. And Liana. Come join us on Patreon. Where you can unlock weekly episodes, videos, and... Be invited to Patreon-exclusive Zoom meetups. Just download the Patreon app and search for Night Guys Podcast. Or go to the website, www.patreon.com forward slash nightguyspodcast. You can join for as little as $2 a month for full access. See you on Patreon. Squiddle deedle 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 deedle. It's Erica. And it's Liana. This is the Night Guys Podcast. We're here to join you weekly to cover weird and spooky stuff, supernatural, extraterrestrial, cryptid, culty, true crime. I like this. This is good. And Erica's drinking wine from a box. Guys. (sighs) That she has at her desk. (laughs) Bobby knew I needed wine. So he, before I I, I walk, (laughs) I get up. From tucking the little bean in, and I'm standing there, just kind of spacing out because I really, at the end of the day, I'm running on negative ten at best, and I'm just standing. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing, and I, he he grabs a glass, the only wine glass we have left for white because now we've broken three out of four, which is fabulous. And then he grabs it and he's like, so "You want wine?" And I'm like. Yeah, but you're going to be like, well, do I look bad? I how, do look bad, I know, but like... But also, how dare you assume I wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, like, how dare you think I do, and how dare you think I don't? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and then he pours it from the our, quote, fancy boxed wine in the fridge, mm-hmm. and he's like... <laughs> he pours it, and he pours a pretty good glass, and he's like, oh, there's only about, like, maybe half a glass or glass left in it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I came in here to plug my phone in, get everything set up, and then I set my glass down. And I was like, I gotta go get that box. Because <laughs> he said there's not much left. This glass is a good pour, but it's like a good pour. Not many good pours. So, I think you made the right choice. I feel like I did, too. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it's fun, like you said, when you're pouring it, it sounds like you're just peeing yeah, I into love it. a cup. <laughs> Join Patreon. Maybe Liana will put that clip in for our paying members. (laughs) Her casually looking at her phone and telling me about turn up while there's pee noises in the back. (laughs) You want to hear that? You got to pay for it. Wow. It's expensive. Like, I don't know, 50 cents a week. Two dollars a month, <laughs> kind of pricey. This is what we've been reduced to. Or telling people that they can listen to you pee wine into a cup <laughs> if they pay money. I always thought it would be fun. Okay, like this is something we. Th- I feel like this is a Patreon discussion, which so oh let's remember this so we can talk about on Patreon. Oh boy! But one of the things I always thought would be fun for a job is like a foley person, like making all the Make noises for yeah. the film. And Mm -hmm. that pee noise right there. Wine in a box. (laughs) (laughs) 
how you make that one. We should discuss that on Thursday. Discuss fully? All right. No, um, we should discuss our top five jobs we wanted when we were like younger than like 15. Mm. So just a few years back. Yeah, just like a year Yesterday. or two ago. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine 18-year-old us doing this podcast? <laughs> that would be rad. I feel like I would just be depressed a lot. (laughs) I would. I was so angry. I scared my friend Anna. Why? Because we had art class together, and I was like before she knew you scared Uh her. Okay. Yeah. Like I had all black hair. Like I mean, I know I met you then. I know. I thought you were cool. I hated that art class, so I was always angry when I got in there because our teacher was kind of like an old perv that oh. literally used well, the class. Warranted. Well, wait, but he literally used the class so that he could just have access to free materials, kiln, um, you know, a potter's oh. wheel, etc. And girls. So it was gross. How old and was he? Like in his 50s. <sighs> yeah. But anyway, I remember we didn't have assigned seats, but we pretty much... For the record, 50s isn't old. We're just dogging on this guy. Yeah, he sucked. Because <laughs> most of us were like 18, yeah, 19. Not cool. So get out of here, buddy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I went Bang. in there. And almost every day, we pretty much all sat in the same Wait, also seats. for the record, I'm not Ugh. saying 50s is not old because like we're close to that. We are definitely what? in our early 20s. That's not, not a deflection. Near f- what? <laughs> okay. Going back to my story, <laughs> rude interrupter for the second or third time. We pretty much always sat in the same seats. Weren't assigned or anything, but just how it happened. Well, anyway, yeah, one day, some, it's safe. some jackass sat in my seat. So I was fuck like, well, that. fuck. So I went and sat in somebody else's seat because I was like, well, if I'm going to get screwed. Somebody else is getting screwed. I don't know what else to do. You don't have a choice. Mm-mm. So I guess I sat in Anna's seat. And Anna was sweet Anna. And she's just tall and beautiful and awkward and just kind of like stood next to me and didn't know what to do because she's so awkward. <laughs> I love her to bits. I can say this about her. And she knows this is true. She just stood there and was like, uh, uh, uh. And she was afraid to talk to me because I was always crabby and like glaring Hello. in this class. Oh, just like glaring? glaring and mean looking. And I wasn't friendly or open with anybody because I hated being in there. That is so funny. But then I was like, she just kind of stood next to me and I was like, you can sit next to me if you want. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like stood there for a couple of extra minutes and then like sat down. And then she realized, I'm not a total piece of shit. I just hate that class. And it turns out she hated it too. That is so funny. And then funny. we were fast friends. What does that say about me? But I was grumpy. That I met you the same time but in I a class. I didn't hate that class. Well, I did kind of hate that class. We <laughs> laughed over Tom Green. <laughs> well, what is that? Say? I don't even know what that says about myself. We're both shitty. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it says about at least I'll speak for myself is that I am insane. <laughs> yeah, and th- well, maybe you could just see through my veneer. I didn't even see anything. See, I just, I just heard things. <laughs> you just heard laughter at a loon. <laughs> I was just talking to myself. <laughs> Let's be honest. And you overheard me talking to myself and responding to myself with laughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. disturbing. Bonded over a Tom Green song. How stupid is that shit? <laughs> How oh stupid God. is it that I'm talking about it and making myself laugh about it? <laughs> you do that shit all the time. I couldn't get over the idea that we were at our local mall doing a field trip. I was just so over it. I'm like, we're in the dishware section. Let's go home. Oh, I did not understand that. I at have all. things to do, like watch TV. 
<laughs> I play don't... video games, literally do anything, anything. eat some Oreos. I don't go know. to bed. <laughs> I love bed. Bed is great. Why are we here? <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> we have some Patreon people to thank. We have new patrons. We feel terrible because there is someone very special named Crystal that joined us, and we're not really sure because we have problems with time, space, reality, and our Quantum minds. Physics, all of it. Understanding when we've said things. So, Crystal, if we haven't thanked you, we're shitty and we're really sorry. And we want to thank you for joining us because you are lovely and beautiful and amazing. You thank are you. our patron member of the week because we suck. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. That's a new thing. And you're the first one. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We're sorry, thank Crystal, you. in case we didn't mention it. Thank you so much yeah. for joining. We require you to come to the Zoom meeting. We haven't decided when that is yet, but it's coming up very soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Try soon. Try, try. Try, try. Um, also, we have another member that just joined today. Jeffy, welcome. Hello. Welcome. Long time listener. First time joiner. Ooh. Person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We're excited to meet you too. If you so Yay. desire to meet our faces. They we do. We would like to meet Everybody your desires it. Oh. <laughs> Let our faces meet your face on Zoom. <laughs> Tis a good time. Tis a good time. <laughs> it's the best of times. It's the best. What is happening? <laughs> no. I think we're both enjoying the effects of wine. Because both of us ex- are experiencing body pain. And her doctor was like, wine works just as well as a muscle relaxer. And does uh, insider uh, body hack that we learned at the... <laughs> <laughs> urgent care one night uh if you don't have or don't enjoy or don't want to take muscle relaxers but your body is cramping and not feeling so hot take it from urgent care that even just a beer works the same but you or, don't feel uh, wine yep but you don't feel <laughs> as uh, groggy if you stop at the one or you can be like liana and i and just go all in <laughs> We really don't want to feel pain. <laughs> so or anything. Um, what is feeling? <laughs> I don't know. What are feelings? I am robot. Uh, hello. <laughs> I am robot too. <laughs> Guys, we're robots. Uh, Spoiler. <laughs> what? Uh, can she I just say... She was about to take a sip and she stopped. <laughs> can I just say, we're about to hit 100k listens oh shit. we're about 500 away from it mm-hmm. if you guys follow us on instagram or you can email us um nightguyspot at gmail.com um something that you think would be fun for us to do to celebrate it that would be amazing because i'm trying to think of things and i feel like i'm just like so close to the thing but it's not coming <laughs> to me yet so if y'all have any suggestions i'm all ears mm-hmm. i think we, we should dress do up no oh well yeah i think we should dress up and go wine tasting i think louis and lestat need to <sighs> brave the sunshine we have to and... get black umbrellas that's all i'm saying <gasps> oh i actually have one that's like old school looking and yes. it's black on the outside but it's got blue sky and clouds underneath that's and that's beautiful. super vampire appropriate can't is it a two-person it we can fit okay because <laughs> do i need to go buy one because no. I can. No. We okay, will. We'll share. 
I think it would be cuter if we shared it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who holds it? Would Lestat make Louis hold it or would Louis hold Lestat it? Lestat would he's... totally make Louis I hold feel it. Like Lestat <laughs> is such a prissy bitch. God damn it. To I carry do the like goddamn it. umbrella <laughs> and probably your jacket when you get hot. Because <laughs> you know that's going to happen. It's like I'm a million so degrees. <laughs> well, what sucks is I don't have the white billowy shirt to wear under it. I just have the cravat. Where's the white billowy shirt? Uh, it doesn't exist. I faked it. Oh, guys, you shouldn't be listening to this. Aaron so I'll have to wear the Sharing the movie secrets. <laughs> we can only go to indoor wineries. <laughs> Must have AC. Call ahead. <laughs> guys, we think this is what we want to do. If you have better <laughs> ideas, please let us know. Um, but yeah, that's, that's our plan so far. Idea though, I think we should just kind of do that anyway. Yeah, I think we should do that anyway. Hmm. Or we do the or we do the episode. We do that in addition to an episode and have it be maybe like a live one or release the video for it. You don't have like not just for Patreon, like everybody. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm happy to share with everybody because everybody is the reason that we're here. Yeah. At a hundred. Hundred K, baby. That's weird. Mm -hmm. That's fucking weird. Mm -hmm. But I like it. All right. So Mm -hmm. my news Erica found for me and I'm just I'm too excited. I need to read this to you guys (laughs) because this is about stanky ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, pub owners are claiming that ghosts have B.O. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like Erica said, wouldn't it be the worst thing ever if like... But do the ghosts smell their own B.O.? Or is it just like, does that ghost think this whole time that, like, do you smell in the afterlife? Like, can you smell things? And if so, or even if you can't, it would suck to find out, like, I stink. And it's not affecting my ghost friends, but, like, it's not cool. (laughs) I think it would just be really funny if, like, in life, instead of B.O., if you were just, like, a really gassy person... (laughs) And they're like, the oh, man, I keep, I keep smelling farts. Grandma must be here. <laughs> yeah, normally you hear like, oh, I smell like a cigar or like, or like lavender mm-hmm. or like rose perfume. Fume. Yep. <laughs> no. It's grandpa's toots near his chair where it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would be really cute, though, if it was like a dog you had that always tooted and you hear little oh. ghost toots. Ghost toots. That would be sweet. But dog farts are like the most vile. No, dude. They're not cat, often, cat but farts cat are ones. Really, cat ones are. I think Honey's farted once and Sean and I were both like. What died? We, we started looking for poop because we were like, there has to be poop that was horrible. Like, do you have diarrhea? Are you sick? Do we take you to the hospital? This is a bad smell. <laughs> it's like death smell. <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> Animals stink and I love them so, so much. much. That's okay. I love they my babies. Yeah. Um, okay, so they said, we call him Henry oh. <laughs> and believe him to be the previous landlord of the pub. Okay. I know it sounds bonkers, but you can smell him. It's like a musty B.O. smell. Oh, we smell that. And then something happens. 
I think something happened and then you smelled it. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's at for. So anyway, for Adele Gill and Steve Ellis, operators of the White Hart Pub in Corsley, Wiltshire, England, on the country county, excuse me, country. Oh, my God. I said it again. Love county it. border. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mysterious smell of body odor. Is this the smell of the ghost now or when it was still alive and with a sweating body? Ew. Oh. Like, okay. What? So they're implying that if you die stinky, you <laughs> afterlife is stinky? No, Bog no, of eternal no. stench you take with you everywhere. <laughs> So Adele says a couple of times I've had regular I've had regulars walk out looking very spooked and it's only a week or so later they admit they saw something behind the bar. We've seen it too. It's hard to describe like a fast moving vapor trail. We've got it on CCTV too. Um, You can't record smells, obviously, but you can record vapor trails, objects mysteriously moving, knocks and other strange occurrences, uh, which Gil and Ellis have since 2019 when they took over the pub, which had been vacant for over two years. They remodeled it, turned on the security cameras, and opened the doors for business. Employees and customers immediately began reporting the feeling of being grabbed. Pervert. A heavy freezer door opening by itself, objects flying across the room, and more recently, a bar measure... Moving by itself, a bar measure. Maybe they mean like the, uh, they're like the little shot glasses. That shot you pour. glasses, yeah. Like, yeah. That's my guess. I could be wrong. And I guess many bar patrons everywhere have seen glasses move by themselves on slick bars or felt cold drafts while sipping a cold draft. That's awkward. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, bad jokes. Uh, that doesn't explain the body odor smell. Mm-hmm. They said, We've been told there are reports of tunnels connecting the area to Longleat House. One time we did, I don't know, I guess that's a, maybe another bar or a haunted place, haunted hotel or something. One time we did get a psychic in here and they said, beg Adele, help dig. Mm. So you have suspicions there's a cellar here and that may be connected to what happens. Hmm. Um, Longleat uh, was built in 1580. It's a well-known haunted location where... With the green lady, sometimes referred to as the gray lady, depending on her dress color. I like the green. It's believed to be the spirit of Lady Louisa Cat- Carteret, who walks the green lady's walk in the yard in search of a footman who her husband had murdered when he suspected an affair. Longleat also has seven libraries containing 40,000 books, with the red library-, library said to be haunted by Thomas Ken, Bishop of Bath and Wills. So I guess sorry. Why are they going off into this anyway? Apparently, this bar is connected to that maybe by a tunnel, according right. to the ghost. Um, Follow the stench. Yeah, but like we were saying, scents often detected in haunted houses tend to be more like perfume, cologne, tobacco smoke, or other pleasant smells. <laughs> <laughs> An unpleasant smell often reported is sulfur, which is said to come from negative spirits. Medically speaking, smelling phantom smells is called. Uh, phantosmia or phantosmia. Oh, wow. Didn't know there was a name for it. Uh, and can be a sign of head trauma, migraines, Parkinson's, schizophrenia, or even a stroke. Great. Great. However, it's not contagious, and the BO smell at White Hart Pub has been reported by multiple people. And then there's the wispy trail of objects pick- moving, picked up by the CCTV. They think that Henry might be upset that they redecorated without asking his permission. Makes sense. Which is why he's like throwing shit around. And stinking up the joint. <laughs> I support it. Do you, dude? He's like, I'll show you. I'll just stink it up a bit. 
not put on my ghost deodorant. <laughs> like, what? Was oh, he really God. that stinky that they all remember? That's, Yikes. That's gotta, not good. No. Not who were his friends? Who were his friends in in life that weren't like man? You you know maybe maybe they all stunk. All of them. All of them. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of stink. It's a lot of stink. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it still smells. It's just residual from it's all residual. of the smells. <laughs> he died in his stinky clothes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like concentrated the ghost smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's your news? <laughs> All right, are you ready? No. Hot off the press. Got it. Quote, there's definitely mm-hmm. more, end quote. Michigan what? man unearths more than 150 bowling balls during home <laughs> renovation. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is from Are today. they meant to, like, hold a body down underneath This is house? wild. The pictures are crazy. For one man in Michigan, a home improvement project turned into a puzzling discovery after uncovering 158 bowling balls beneath his back step. What? David Olson, 33, was demolishing the back steps of his house on the morning of July 1st when he saw a black sphere buried in the sand behind some cinder blocks. He said, that was one of the bowling balls. I feel like if I saw a black sphere in the ground, I would stop and call and make somebody else dig it up because I'd be like, this is haunted. Whatever this is. <laughs> I, I got to keep going. I got to know. No, I wouldn't want to If it's know. cool, I, I don't want people to it. take it from me. Must hoard it. Okay, goblin. <laughs> Jesus. <Nope. laughs> oh, my God. Shiny pretty must have. I didn't think a whole lot of it. I was kind of assuming maybe there was just a couple in there just to fill in. <laughs> Random. Fill in what? <laughs> As in, as like the foundation. That doesn't make sense, bro. The deeper I got into it, oh my goodness. <laughs> the more I realized it was just basically an entire grid work of them making up the weight in there. What is it? Don't even mean, know what that Basil? means. Why? The weight in there of what? You're just demolishing steps. I don't understand. I was actually a little happy about that because it's a little easier to roll bowling balls out of the way than to move the sand and figure out where to put all that. Yeah, but 158 bowling balls or whatever it was, that's a lot of bowling balls to just get out it's of the way. It's wild. The, the, like, it's, it's one thing to imagine that many bowling balls, but when you see it, it's like, oh my god, that's <laughs> a lot of bowling balls. Show me right now. Um, Send me the pictures. Boop, 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 boop. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. It should be sending. Okay. Um, Read me more. <laughs> do do do. Wow. Oh, that's too many. <laughs> While Olsen's initial count on Facebook totaled 50, he uncovered more and more. Later, he counted 120, the final total 158, though he said he could feel more balls. Oh, look at this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. In the ground. In recent days, he discovered two more, bringing the count up to 160, baby. He said there's definitely more, but at this point in the area, I need to work. I've dug down about two feet lower than what I found, uh, than when I found my last ball. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. And I think it's pretty much cleared out in that section. When he first discovered the balls. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 
<laughs> Olsen said his thoughts went to his three curious young children. He con <laughs> Okay. He- <laughs> Why? Because they probably have fun, like, rolling them around and shit. He said his thoughts went to three? Like... Maybe just... I think this is probably poorly worded. worded. Okay, okay. He contacted Brunswick Bowling Products, the maker of the balls, (laughs) and asked whether they could be toxic. After about a day, Olsen received a response... Olsen sent in pictures, and after running the serial numbers on the balls, the company determined they were made in the 50s and verified that they were <gasps> safe and could be disposed of. Weird. While this cash might be a bowler's dream, the balls won't be making their way to the lanes anytime soon. A lot of them are in rough condition, and each of the balls had two spiral grooves cut into them. Yeah, I was going to ask why they had lines on them, because that's weird. Yeah, they do. They're like... um they look like little targets on the balls. Yeah. They kind of do. As for the balls' origins. <laughs> Olsen, One of them looks like the Death Star. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Olsen said there used to be a Brunswick bowling ball plant in Michigan. He said some ex-Brunswick employees cont- uh, contacted him through his Facebook post mm-hmm. and said workers used to take the scrapped bowling balls to use as a cheaper alternative to gravel or sand. Huh. Oh. Why? I don't understand. What? Maybe that's why the grooves are on there so that they don't get to use them or sell them. Could be. Yeah. So they can't. It's like destroying. It's kind of like how shitty companies destroy clothing products or whatever. Yeah. 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 Olsen said he plans to use the balls as edging for his landscaping. (laughs) I'm sure it's... Sure, his partner who loves that. Uh, <laughs> for uh, to, Or to make sculptures. Really stoked on that, I'm sure. He I also can't wait. donated eight balls for a nearby church to use in a bowling ball cannon. Okay. <laughs> bowling great. ball cannon. He for, will also. Wait, make... A church has a bowling ball cannon. I had to work through that sentence. I don't understand what's happening. Okay. At all. all right, all right. All he right. will also be. <laughs> giving some to his stepfather who plans to use them as custom furniture legs no what guys get out of here uh, you know what they're getting used they're not just getting dumped into they were a getting used landfill as sand replacers yeah way more solid it, you know what's funny is that when you first said that there were that many i was like i wonder if this was like a weird early version of you know how the how they redid the jc uh excuse me while i pee <laughs> oh, they did the JC parking garage and they did it they did the crazy um retrofit with ball bearings. No. Oh yeah, they have the whole JC parking structure is uh done with <laughs> ball bearings. <laughs> I'm trying to make it go more. Oh my god. <laughs> Evacuation. Come come. <laughs> Wait. Evacuation. <laughs> What if being was like that? It could be squeaky. And it's squeaky. Oh, squeaky is weird. Can I say a story oh. before we <laughs> go into our topic? Yes, but anyway, I thought it was ball bearings that they were trying to achieve, but like old school with shitty bowling balls. Mm-mm. No, fail. Fail. Totally just sand. <laughs> sand replacer. Bowling ball, I guess. You were saying uh, you want to talk about No, I'll save it for Patreon. No, tell me. Okay. Say no, it. I'll save it. We're almost at 100. Say it. <laughs> We're almost what at 100. What does that even mean? 
I don't know. <laughs> Just say it. I think I've spoken on it before. Oh, I boy. once had the most insane... Like, I'm really bad for, like, forgetting to do things that involve my well-being. <laughs> like going to the bathroom? Like going to the bathroom. Like, and I know people like say that. And, like, I'm sure it's true for them. But my version of waiting to go to the bathroom is not the same as other people's waiting. Whereas, Uh-oh. like, a normal person might put it off for, like, an hour and a half or two. I will put it off for literally the entire day. <laughs> that is so bad for you. I'm I like know. And I so even this is even before being a mom. And I'm like out, oh my God. get my drink on, being ridiculous as I do. Being afraid to break the seal the whole time. <sighs> no, I didn't. I embraced it. I remember okay. people were so scared of breaking the seal. And I was like, let's go seal. Let's see who wins. <laughs> and I remember I finally was like, shit, I got to get up. I'll go pee. And I did, and I'm in this doll, and I remember thinking to myself, like, other people are in here, and they're going to start to wonder what's wrong with me. <laughs> and sure enough, somebody did. I heard from over the stall a girl go like, oh, my God, you have been peeing for so long. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, right? <laughs> That's not a brag, dude. <laughs> I was like, I really had to go. I shouldn't have held it so long. But it's having oh. fun. You know that girl has been haunted by that ever since. And now she listens to right, the podcast. And oh, I hope like, so. Wow. Cheers. <laughs> I'm still holding it. Still holding it. I haven't peed since then. You made me feel so much shame. Oh, my God. I did not. I kept peeing. <laughs> that is so bad for you. I know. It's like... um. Sometimes Reggie or, like, I've had other puppies in my life that forget to drink water and then suddenly they remember and it's, like, five minutes of straight panic drinking and it's, like, oh, my God, why are you not drinking? And you can't, like, force them to drink. I can just be, like, hey, here's water. Look, It's fresh and yummy. Yum, yum. And, like, tweedle your fingers in it. Like, ooh, (laughs) nice and cool. Our cats will only... Turnip and Harley only drink water if I freshly pour it every day. Oh, mine are kind of like that. Like I can't leave it out for more than a day. Then they're like, <laughs> human, yeah. what is this? And then they won't drink and then I panic. And Honey is a shit and doesn't drink any water. So I have to put water in her food. That's cute. Because she's That's a monster. She needs the attention. Diva. I know. I love her so much. Rue will only eat if I'm in the room. Yeah, Harley only wants to eat crunchy food if Har- if Sean pets him. So Sean has to sit there and petting him for so like five insane. straight minutes. Yeah, Rue's like that. Our I'll go in the, the room and like hang out with him. I mean, they're in the whole house, but like I'll walk into the room to do something. Mm-hmm. And Rue will run with me because she follows me everywhere. And then she'll like run to the bowl and start eating. And I'm like, no, like I'll have to sit. Okay, I'll sit down because I won't eat anything. <laughs> I'll I wait. have to be with you. I love you. <laughs> love you so much. Keep being so cute. Love you forever. I slept insane last night, like position wise, because of Rue. Can't push her off the bed. She wouldn't let. I I like can't. I've slept with animals since I was like seventeen, like just turned eighteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, my body, like, <laughs> it's so true though. Like I can't. Like that part of my body that's like, oh, I'll toss and turn. And my no. No. I it's like programmed cuz it's like I'm surrounded by monsters. 
Yeah. And I love them I so much. I usually have like honey between my legs. She, That's punky. I've got, got honey between my legs. Turnip will either sleep between Sean's legs or between Sean and I or on mm. Sean's head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rue will do that. She'll either sleep on the pillow next to me, but normally yeah. she's like up in my armpit, which means oh. you can't put your arm next to your body because no. it's on a Rue. So then I have to do like this. Oh, the lift up arm. Yeah. No, that pucks up my shoulder. Yes, I, I know. And it's so shitty because then I'll wake up because of it and put my arm back down. And then it's like, oh, there's floof there. Guess it's going back up or like weird, awkward, like tootin' <laughs> common, like pose, dead mummy. <laughs> Don't hurt the babies. That's not must not disturb. She Guys, needs we hate her sleep. Our pets and we don't want them to be spoiled at all. As I'm like ever. ravaging my life during the day trying to take care of everybody and like mm-hmm. Rue's like sleeping throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, she I really so needed peacefully. that. <laughs> Whatever, she's the best and so cute. They're all the best. We have good mm-hmm. kitties. We do. We have great cats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and puppies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In your case. Mm-hmm. Reggie mm-hmm. is such a snug. He's a good guy. And Paisley is such a lovely, she's squishy, such a mushy bubble. face. Oh, she's so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're good. All right. Here, babies. Guys, we're talking not about our pets. <laughs> uh, Join Patreon. Talking... You want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. And a million other things. A lot of dreamies. Lady Boat. Guys, we just started talking about Lady Boat. Uh, you want to know who's on our Lady Dream Boat? Then join Patreon. Also, we had some good recommendations that we forgot. Oh, man. I'm so I felt like an forgot. idiot. Totally. 100%. Sherry Moon Zombie? Of course she's on the dream boat. What am I Eva talking Green? about? Yes. Duh. We're done. Ugh. All right. Sorry. Fuck. Join so you can help add to the lady boat because we've talked about the dream boat, but the lady boat exists. Mm-hmm. It's out there. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Guys, no. we're talking about a really weird fucked up part of U.S. history. <laughs> It's not that old. This is a little bit of a conspiracy theory kind of episode. I think it's fucking real. I do like, too. This is this is so non. Yeah, this is like not flat Earth bullshit. This is real stuff. <laughs> this is real, real. <laughs> I'm coming for you, flat Earth. You're dumb. All right. Anyway, <laughs> guys, we're talking about sure. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, we talked about this a bit ago. Like we were going to talk about it. The Kennedys definitely killed her. That's what we're talking about. Hundred percent. 100%. So some might label this a conspiracy theory episode where we are talking about a true crime episode. <laughs> yep. And this uh, is super hashtag cr- true. I said, I almost said crew crime again. <laughs> again. <laughs> again, I speak. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> What's happening? I'm turning. I noticed you're so. There we go. Oh, and now that happened. <laughs> Fix your shit. <laughs> I was trying to... All right, guys. Crew crimes. <laughs> if we were only a true crime podcast, it would have to be called Crew Crime. <laughs> it would be so funny. I think that should be our spinoff show. Nobody can steal it. That's ours. Mine now. Nobody can have it. Claimed crew here tri- first. I can't even say it. <laughs> crew Trime? Is that it? Yes. Okay. Crew Trime. 
It's hard for me to say. It's it way too brain. easy for me to say, which is troublesome. <laughs> it scares me a lot. But what's weird is that I, I say, say that a lot. crew time, which I don't even know. Crew time. <laughs> I mean, that's also, it sounds like a vacation with your crew. <laughs> with your familia. <laughs> We're never going to get through this episode. <laughs> We're not. I mean, okay. we, so first off, apologies for bringing up the fact that we were going to talk about this episode, like probably five months ago, mm, like s- almost half, more than half a year ago. <laughs> That's where we're at. We did it because I think it was also an anniversary episode and we realized mm-hmm. it after we had recorded. Um, yeah, so we've been wanting to talk about special. this for a bit and we've touched on, oh my goodness, the JFK assassination kind of conspiracy before. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to do this one sort of in tandem with it because it also mm-hmm. involves the Kennedys and um, has the added bonus of talking about Marilyn at the same time. Yeah. Um, so what was really fun to me, too, is when we had mentioned this, one of our Patreon members that we both love dearly, Abby. Hi. Um, she, um, brought to my attention that, like, she was like, I've never even heard that, like, this was a thing, which sort of blew my mind, because, and then I realized, like... Not mad at you, No, no, but it's just, just like... the fact that it's hidden and covered up. Yeah, and I, I grew up, like, loving Marilyn Monroe because of my mom. Like, my mom has tons and tons of, like, uh, photo books and things on her. Like, my Mm -hmm. mom, my mom just loves, like old Hollywood in general, um, like love Lucille Ball and literally any old like Hollywood glamour, like era starlet stuff. Um, my mom knows all of it. And, um, (laughs) so I knew about Marilyn Monroe. Like, I mean, when I grew up, uh, like in childhood in our guest bathroom, there was a picture of Marilyn Monroe above like the toilet. Okay. (laughs) Like she was all around. (laughs) So this one for me has always been like something I knew of like really, really young. So it was kind of funny for me to think like, oh, wow, there's people who probably don't know about this. To me, it's just like, oh, you know about Roswell and you know about like Marilyn Monroe and her being murdered and it wasn't a suicide. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so Abby, we're sorry it took us forever. Uh, Actually, it's like eight months. No, it's just been a week. It's fine. Okay. Sorry, Abby. (laughs) Again, we have problems with time, space, parallel universes, all of that. Yep. So this really has only been a week. Everyone else is confused. We're just fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Marilyn Monroe, uh, if you don't know much about her, shame on you. Just kidding. It's, no, I, no, shame on you. She's, she's, got, she's got a very interesting history. Um, so she had a really horrible, shitty childhood. She was born in 1926 in Los Angeles. Her name was not Marilyn Monroe. It was Norman, Norma Jean Mortensen. And then she was later baptized as Norma Jean Baker. Um, and she actually spent much of her life in her early life in foster care and in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. Abusive foster care parents, too. Bullshit. She um, was placed with a lot of different... Uh, homes that really had her just so they could get more money from the state. Yay. So they weren't people who were like, yeah, I want to help kids or I can't have kids or I have kids and I want to now adopt a kid and I love you. Not her experience at all. She at one point was put in a sack and dragged out her front driveway, kicking and screaming inside of it. 
and then Sick, sent off. Disgusting. Like, not okay. She had, like, one pair of clothes, one pair of underwear, like, very poor. Not not good. Yeah. Well, like Erica was saying, in 1937, a family friend and her husband, Grace and Doc Goddard, took care of Norma Jean uh, for a few years, and they were paid $25 a week by her mother to raise her, because she's, like, not interested, blah, blah. Yeah. And the couple was deeply religious, and they followed fundamentalist doctrines. Hooray! And uh, among other prohibited activities, she wasn't allowed to go to the movies. And then this is so great. When his job, when the dad's job, the guy's job, not the dad, the guy's job was transferred to the East Coast. They couldn't afford to bring her with him. So they were like, "Mm, they dumped her. Bye. So then at seven years old, she returned to a life at foster homes where she endured sexual assault on several occasions. And she had been R word several times when she was 11 years old. So she has had a shitty childhood in every sense of the word. And then she dropped out of high school by 15. Right. And also remember that her her mom during all of this um, was clinically declared um, insane. Mm-hmm. So her mom wasn't capable of caring for her. And that was something that haunted her throughout her life, too, that she would, you know, become her mother. Even though she loved mm-hmm. her mom, um, that always haunted her, like... I'm going to end up in an institute like that. She would end up the same way. Yeah. And she didn't, she didn't know her dad. And I guess at one point, yeah, um, Clark Gable was her dad. Yeah. I guess her mom had repeated that to her. Yeah. And she she had a poster in her room and she's a kid. And that's kind of sad too. It's just all sad. No one ever, no one ever kept her ever. And no, it was awful. So, when she was 16, she married her boyfriend and merchant marine, Jimmy Doherty, in so 1942. So that's how she's right. like, he I helped gotta, her get out of foster care. Yep. I got to get out of this. So he said, hey, let's get married. And she was then like, let's You're go. out of that system and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Which is really sweet of him. He actually cared for her. Um, yeah. He, he wasn't a bad guy. Mm-mm. So he was and like out in the South Pacific, and she began working in a munitions factory in Van Nuys in California. Right. Um, and while she was there, uh, she was discovered by a photographer because she was a fucking bombshell prior to being her bombshell self that we all know. Right. And she had brown hair. She was so cute. Like, Yeah, it was kind whatever. of like a um, promotional campaign to be like hey Mm -hmm. look at all of our girls back home working to support the troops this is what you can do too you know rosie the riveter blah 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 and it's like here's Mm -hmm. one of them and yeah she got picked up based off of that Mm -hmm. so when he returned in 1946 so they got married in 42 he returned in 46 she already had a successful career as a model and then that year also she signed her first movie contract and with that contract came a new name and image. And that's when she began calling herself Marilyn Monroe and was told to dye her hair blunt. Right. Mm-hmm. By her yeah. mom, actually, and her mom's best friend, too, because of, mm. um, I think it was Jean Harlow. Her mom was like, this is what s- sells. You're going to be her. And they started convincing her and her uh, mom and especially her mom's friend, like, pushed that image on her. And then like studio like seconded it and was like yep yeah so she wasn't really initially considered to be like star material um her acting didn't really take off until a few years later but obviously with her 
cute little voice and her banging figure, she'd like obviously become super famous. And then, um, I guess she also had chronic insecurities regarding her acting abilities. And she suffered from like mad anxiety that came, that made her like physically ill, Mm -hmm. um, which was, I guess the root of her super crazy tardiness on film sets, which I guess was so extreme that like, her co-stars and crew would actually have interviews about it. They were like, she'd be the greatest if she showed up. She showed up, but yeah. like she fucking does not. Chronic anxiety. <clears throat> also remember too at this time, Hollywood is and the executives are notorious for pushing pills on women to be a certain mm-hmm. weight, a certain all of these things. And oh yeah, she struggled with that because like even though I don't consider her by any means overweight like you know or curvy whatever that really means I, yeah. anyone's curvy right i don't even know what that yeah that means. makes no sense that i've never cur- understood I, what literally every is. human has curvy? curves yeah my point is it's like you know she's somebody that especially at the time it would be considered like oh you gotta watch your weight and um she struggled <laughs> with insane. that and they pump you full of like here's all these pills diet pills this and that and especially back then those pills were full of all kinds of shit that is illegal today to give to somebody or mm-hmm. anybody in general um bunch of uppers downers yeah and then you no combine items. that with like you know you're just a thing a commodity you're not really an actor and nobody's ever loved you. I've never had a family. My mom's insane. Mm-hmm. I have nothing. It's like, that's a lot. And this girl's only in her, like, early 20s. Yeah. That's a no, lot. She, she had a really shitty early go of it. And then it's kind of like every pushed into did, a spotlight. But... And it's like, okay, yep. go. And also, we're not going to really give you any money for what you're producing for us. Mm-hmm. Just be our, like, thing. Go. So sad. So in the mid 50s, she grew tired of these like set of these movie contracts of being like bubbly, dumb blondes. And she moved to New York City to study acting with Lee Strasberg at the Actors Studio. But then in the early 60s, um, her professional personal life kind of was like in turmoil because she just had unsuccessful relationships after that. Um, I guess her last two films, Let's Make Love and The Misfits, were both box office disappointments. Right. And that really was hard on her because she already felt like shit about her acting anyway. So it was just like, eh, just pile it on. Right. Because that's the thing. Like, a lot of people don't... Like, we can rag on celebrities all the time, but a lot of people forget that celebrities and people that are in the spotlight are people too. Right. And And she's also trying to... Uh, like make make ends meet with like, hey, I don't want to just be the bombshell with the funny mm-hmm. one liners and the dumb blonde in your movies. That I like, mm-hmm. I get that that's what got my foot in the door because that's what you guys pegged me as. But I'm not that, and I would like to have like a serious role. I want to be Betty Davis. I want to be Joan Crawford. I want to be all these yeah. women that are like Catherine Hepburn. Yep, and sh- I think she could have been. Mm-hmm. I mean. Some argue, I've heard so many people who like in interviews and things like talk about how like comedy is one of the hardest things to pull off. It's easy to pull off a villain and it's really easy to sometimes not easy, but easier to pull off like drama. But Mm -hmm. to be like genuinely funny. Yeah, that's hard. Delivery is not easy. No, and physical comedy and all those things like Mm -hmm. that's. 
it's not easy like it comes off. Mm-hmm. Just because it's funny doesn't mean it's simple. Yeah. So to kind of go through her relationships, because this is important. So her movies, please watch them. They're super entertaining. Like, I, I love her movies. I know you love their movies, so that goes without saying. Someone Get Hot <laughs> is one of my... Is one of the best... It's so cute. And it's just cute, Nothing too. is funnier than that. I love that movie. That and Young Frankenstein are two of my favorite comedies. Oh, <laughs> my God. I love that movie so much. Maybe, anyway. But, I mean, if that's, like, one of the first, like, cross-dressing movies, which I love cross-dressing. And then to see two comedic yep. greats to be that and then her play off of them, I just it's awesome. It's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, talking about her relationships, I'm going to talk about the the pre Kennedys really quickly. So again, she married her 20 years. So he was 20 years old when they got married and she was 16. Right. Um, Yeah. She was Doherty. He was the next door friend of her mom. And he suggests that he could marry her so that she wouldn't be sent to another orphanage or another foster home. And, um, after her career began to take off, that's when she was like, all right, let's divorce. And, she, divorce and, s- and honestly, she hadn't seen him in years. Yeah. So it, wasn't it was like truly it. just so he could help her. And she was like, yes. Yeah. They had no ill will. He even said that after when they parted ways. He's like, "I, you know, we did it because I knew where you, what you would end up just longer in the system. Yeah. Well, he didn't care for she- her, though. She sought a quickie divorce in 46, and he said, he's quoted as saying, I never knew Marilyn Monroe, and I don't claim to have any insights to her to this day, but I knew and loved Norma Jean, he later said. Yeah. Um, and then in 1954, she married baseball great Joe DiMaggio for nine months. And then her longest marriage was with uh, playwright Miller, um, they first Arthur met Miller. 19, Arthur Miller. Sorry, they only have his first no, last name. No, no, I don't mean it like um, that. You're good. No, uh, they first met in 1950 at a party, and then they they later began exchanging letters, and then they moved again when she m- moved to New York in 1955, and then they began an affair while she was still married to Joe DiMaggio, and then they married on June 29th, 1956. Um, obviously, right away, you can't really start a relationship with that kind of. If you ever want to see something that's really crazy on a side note, um, when she was with Arthur Miller, they were Mm -hmm. um, supposed to go to promote something. I think it was something of his. And they were leaving their home. And it was this notorious, it's still there, area of L.A. Mm -hmm. where when you're driving, people tend to speed on it. But you shouldn't because it's a full-blown, like, dead man's curve cliff. And paparazzi was uh, following them and Arthur Miller decided or maybe I don't know if he was driving or if they had a driver, but they decided Mm -hmm. to speed up because it was bothering them, him. But they were being followed and um, uh, it caused a car accident and it was fatal for the other person. And they had to figure it out in a few moments with the cops there and then immediately go to a press release. So there's a press press release and it's filmed because press was there yeah and um if you watch it it's really weird knowing they just saw a dead person and even though it wasn't their fault Mm -hmm. it's just weird they just were involved with a 
fatal crash and now they have to talk about something to the press and when you watch it Marilyn's like you can tell something's off and it's like oh shit when I read it it was like oh you were just involved I get in a fatal why crash she, I get why she looks totally the girl's just constantly haunted by horrible things and it had nothing to do with her she wasn't at fault but Mm-mm. it's wild to watch the footage and knowing Aww. that God, poor thing. Uh, well, Arthur Miller and Monroe began working on what would have been her last film, The Fit, The Misfits, and then they divorced on January 20th, 1961. And that kind of brings us to where, where Erica takes, takes over. So, the bulk, dare I say, of Ooh. our episode will be about picking up from that point where she kind of gets involved with the Kennedys. And mm-hmm. that leads up to when she is more or less, in our opinion, murdered. I would say more. More. Um, I agree. Not less. <laughs> Not less. No, no, no. <laughs> so fast forward. Now we're Marilyn Monroe is 35 years old mm-hmm. and arguably at the height of her career because she's now starting her own production company. Like, she's starting to kind of take things back and own everything for herself. And awesome. at the same time, she's starting to be vaguely connected to the Kennedys. It wasn't really known to the public at the time, but she it is a little bit. becomes very clear. <laughs> right. And if any of you know anything about Marilyn Monroe, it would probably be her scene from the seven year itch where she itch where she's in the white dress and the subway train is blowing her skirt up and the other iconic moment is when she sings happy birthday to jfk yeah so now we're at that moment in time she is 35 years old she's up at the mic she is waiting and introduced and then she's wearing this kind of like fur coat i don't condone that and she takes it off and she reveals that she's wearing this like full-blown skin tight um literally sewn into it because it was so tight they had to sew it up it couldn't be zipped or buttoned um rhinestone nude gown and everybody in the audience is just like holy shit (laughs) whoa because she's it's crazy she looks Mm -hmm. crazy i want that outfit um but everyone also, deep down they're they're like i want that but out loud they're probably like slut probably deep down they're like yeah Damn it. um <laughs> how dare them she looked good applaud her for it um exactly. so it's his birthday um this is may 1962 mm-hmm. she uh i think it was a crowd um of fifteen thousand is what i read in some articles and okay. she's up there in her pretty gown with more than 2,500 hand-stitched crystals on it. Um, she sings, Happy Birthday, Mr. President. Um, he makes a joke about, like, wow, I, that was such an innocent happy birthday. How nice for me. And it's because it was like, wow, that was a lot. Um, oh, this article says 40 million Americans. That must be concluding the TV viewers at I home. I think that's what, what I'm that assuming. Means. I think it was yeah. 15,000 in person. Mm. So it went off with, like, great success. People were like, wow, damn. All right. Baller move. I like what that one journalist says. Where? He described it as making love to the president in direct view of 40 million Americans. <laughs> love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, so that went off great. They're now at the post party, like after party. Wee party. In New York, in a penthouse. And JFK's there. His brother is there. Um, Bobby. Bobby. Like everyone who's anyone is there. 
She left with the president and went via a basement corridor and a private elevator to his suite, supposedly, at the Carlisle Hotel that was right next door. And then the next day, she went back to California where she lived. Peter Lawford, who was an actor at the time, he was also an in-law to the Kennedys. He was married to the president's sister, Pat. He telephoned Marilyn later that week from his home, well, which was in the Kennedy compound. He oh, had a like pretty intense message for her that she was no longer like allowed around, like allowed around the family. She's cut off, no mas. Um, she is not allowed to see the president anymore, and do not contact anyone that's a Kennedy. Um, less than three months later, she was dead. So wait, what? There was this yeah. in connection? Hold on. People were told that she killed herself, but a lot of people also came to kind of think about it and look over the evidence and determine maybe she didn't kill herself. Maybe she was murdered. Yeah. What's really crazy is there's this former L.A. policeman named Mike Rothmiller. He came out years, decades actually later to reveal what he believes is the truth. And he Mm -hmm. says there's secret documents that he found in the LAPD archives that show that Marilyn was actually killed by the Kennedy family. Um, And if you want to get real specific, it was Bobby Kennedy, JFK's brother, who gave like the go ahead to and actually killed her. Yeah, I was going to say he was the perp. Well, the guy who introduced Marilyn at the celebration where she sang Happy Birthday, Mr. President, Peter Lawford, he introduced her um, at the podium. He was also there and watched it happen. Mm-hmm. But he's that's a, that, that'll come later. Um, so the detective <laughs> policeman, Mike Rothmiller, this is 20 years later. He went into talking about how he come he came to think and believe that she was straight up killed. Um, so he believes that Comp stayed silent for decades, and he also feared for his life as long as senior police officers from the era were alive and able to threaten him and his family. Forty years on, he said he's still nervous about revealing what he knows, and he takes legit precautions because he's scared. Um, but in present day, with the blessing of his wife, Nancy, shout out <laughs> Nancy, he said that it's like... I'm done. I want to talk about this. It's bullshit. Someone has to say something. Um, He believes that if he presented everything that he has learned over the course of all these decades, that he would easily get a conviction that this is not Mm -hmm. a suicide or accidental suicide. Um, She was murdered. Like, conviction done. End of story. Uh Um, So he says that in August of 1982, which is Weeks, he says, after Peter Lawford, the guy who was there when she allegedly there when she died and the same guy I said introduced her for JFK's birthday celebration, um, mm-hmm. told him what really happened. The former policeman was a target of um, a mob style assassination bid. He said there was a gunman on a motorcycle that pulled up alongside his unmarked car and opened fire with a semi-automatic pistol. This so is the scary. the retired now PD officer, LAPD. Mm-hmm. Um, he suffered spinal damage, which he very narrowly survived. Um, and this is kind of where it all starts. Four years earlier, he was 27 years old. He was the youngest detective um, in what's called the OCID. It's the Organized Crime Intelligence Division. Uh, he had six years experience under his belt. He was assigned to desk duties in the department. And he was nicknamed, um, sorry, de- 
department. So he's in this department that's nicknamed Fort Davis. <laughs> Great, cool, fine. Um, it's like this labyrinth, he says, of filing cabinets in a downtown building with no windows. So it's kind of like where all the, the deep, dirty, dark secrets are kept in L.A. on everybody. So he says there's tens of thousands of files in this Fort Davis. Um, some are rumor, some are like fact, it's summer gossip. It's just everything is fucking put here. There's like <laughs> crime bosses. So bad. Me too. <laughs> when I read this, I was like, want to go. There's like, like Vatican archives. Totally. Like, Must dude. go. <laughs> crime bosses, politicians, rock stars, movie stars, news reporters, television presenters, anybody and everyone is in this thing. Okay. Must everyone know. has a file. Much of the information isn't really, like, related to crimes. It's just simply there. So if anybody does anything that pisses the LAPD off, it's like, boom, we got shit on you. What are you going to do now? We can embarrass you and release it. You're done. Um, So now he's there. He's browsing all of these files with all these famous names. He's discovering how to, like, figure his way throughout the system code and how it's all filed. And he opens up K-Cabinet. He pulls out Kennedy's folder and he sees (sighs) now that there's all these cross references with Marilyn's file. So it's like why so many of these Kennedy files are related to Marilyn's files. And they're hefty files. They're not small. And not only are they related to the Kennedys and Marilyn, there's also a lot of cross references to mob bosses. He said Mm. so many that there were 40 or 50 linked cards, each uh, cards, each referencing dozens of files. So it's a lot. He follows the threads, and they lead him to the singer Frank Sinatra and other Uh. members of the Rat Pack, like Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., the whole thing. Some were marked CFs, which means confidential files. Officially, these papers don't even exist. Okay, so we're, like, now at, like, Roswell level, like... Vatican archives. Yeah, okay, we're here. Um... These files today, he's like, I don't even know where they are anymore because he said this unit, the OCID, um, was merged with the L.A. Police Vice Division in 97 and Fort Davis was replaced. So Fort Davis, where these files were when he mm. saw them, doesn't really exist. They were, Damn they it. were merged in 97. No, I wanted another I place know. to add to the end of the world list of I places know. that I'm going to go investigate. I'm with you. <laughs> Shit. So back then and in the, when he was there, he couldn't make photocopies. So he did his absolute best to read them go home regurgitate it hand like pen and paper um it's a lot of work he said one confidential file though he found a copy of a document marked marilyn monroe's diary so this is something that has been like rumored forever and ever and ever um that she kept it and but where is it Marilyn made no secret of the fact that she kept a diary. She called it her little red book. But as far as showbiz historians knew, no one found it after she died. According to him, Roth Miller, he said LEPD had a copy and the probably the original copy too. Like or not copy, the original too. Mm-hmm. Um he turned to the final entries, which was August third, nineteen sixty two, which was the day before Marilyn passed, um, slash murdered. Uh, he Peter said Robert will come tomorrow I don't know if he will that's what she wrote in it Peter refers to Peter Lawford who like we mentioned is an in-law to the Kennedys Um, so she's writing this entry saying Peter said Robert meaning Bobby Kennedy will come tomorrow I don't know if he will so Bobby Kennedy's coming maybe Peter will I'm not sure 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So he starts leaving through the pages. Roth Miller saw Marilyn regarded Bobby Kennedy as something much more than a casual boyfriend. So yeah. he was married, had seven kids, and seven was named kids. America's Father of the Year in 1962. Bullshit. But he wasn't. He wasn't Father of the Year. Um, he was a big, scary piece of shit. He was. And Marilyn originally wrote, he's gentle. He listens. He's nicer than John, meaning JFK. Bobby says he loves me and wants to marry me. I love him. John hasn't called. Bobby called. Because Bobby's a tramp. A week before her death, Marilyn made an ominous entry in her diary. Frank invited me to the lodge. Frank Sinatra. He said it will be fun. He said never to mention Sam at the lodge. He's mafia. Weird. <sighs> Frank was Frank Sinatra. Sam was Giancana. He's the head of the Chicago mob. Scary. Yay. So a lot of us have heard like Frank is involved. Frank Sinatra was involved with the mob. This is just more evidence to kind of add to that pile of he was involved with them. Um, totally. The next entry was kind of confusing. She said Frank Sinatra, Peter Lawford, and lot of the Kennedys and others were there. Frank said, I can't keep my fucking mouth shut. He told me to get out. I don't know why he's treating me this way. What happened to me? I was drunk. I don't remember. Did I have sex? In the days after that, her diary entries were kind of manic and a little angry. She said, they're not calling back. Bob and John used me. I told Peter they're ignoring me. I'm not going to stand for that. I'm going to tell everyone about us. Mm-hmm. I don't... I feel so bad for her. Yep. What's weird is this area that they were all partying at before she died, mm-hmm. it's in, like, Tahoe. Fucking weird. Isn't that weird? Okay. It's, like, right... For people who don't know where we are, Lake Tahoe's... It's really... A couple hours it's away. It's not that far. Yeah. <laughs> no, people go to, Lake Tahoe for the weekend and come back home. It's very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a phone call to... Um, the actor and occasional lover Jose Bolaños I told Jose I'm going to tell the world about them they use me I'm not a whore and Jose said don't tell anyone about this it's dangerous because he knew probably word on the street is you're dealing with mob people if you're dealing with Frank Sinatra and all these guys and you're dealing with the Kennedys this is just not good you don't want to call these people out Roth Miller the LAPD kid at the time scoured the archives for clues. He uncovered rumors that Marilyn had an abortion in mid July, 1962 on Bobby Kennedy's orders, but the precise sequence of events that ended in her death was still unclear. What the policeman did know was that Bobby Kennedy was not really that nice. Shocking. He was known for being kind of an asshole and he had been known as being a drunken douche. Love and orgies. Orgies are fine, but not when you're a douche and no. not when you're married and have kids. And he was known as a groper. He also Ew. had a short fuse and a violent streak. In college, people were like, yeah, I remember him. He hit a like student with a beer bottle. If we didn't pull him off of the other guy, they would be dead. They needed stitches. Like, this is who we're dealing with. Cool. He's a loose cannon. And now he is that with even more power. He's a journey general. So more reason to be an asshole because he might not have consequences. he's the AG. Right? So all of this craziness that we've been telling you would probably never have been knitted together if this guy, Mike Rothmiller, had not just randomly on a day off in 1982 paid a visit to Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion in hey. LA. Gross. 
avoid. <laughs> uh, so a visit to the mansion was something of a busman's holiday for Rothmiller. Um, it was his job to gather intelligence on the lives of celebrities, sports figures, politicians, the wealthy, and mafia figures. So he was kind of taking his wife um, and their friends because he wanted to impress them, but probably also just so that he could be like, just just going on a tour, but down low, getting info. Yeah. So they toured the house, the pool, grotto, koi ponds, private zoo. Ugh. And then a security director invited them to see a Matisse canvas in the main house. And next to the painting was this cloakroom with a TV set going. And as the TV set's going, Mike Rothmiller glanced inside and he recognized Peter Lawford, the guy that was with Marilyn, the the family member. Um and he was kind of just slumped in front of the screen. And he was like, wait a second. Yeah, he was like, this shit just landed in my lap. This is one of the last eyewitnesses, firsthand eyewitness available. Mm-hmm. And Satan himself just put him in my path. And <laughs> exactly. he is here. And I am the one guy who probably knows more about this shit than most. And mm-hmm. holy fuck, he's here. And that has an open mind about it. Yeah, so obviously he was like must ask questions so what he did was well because peter lawford was super drunk and out of it or at least from what he appeared because he was just like slumped in front of the tv so what he did was he put his business card into uh, peter lawford's shirt pockets uh pocket with the words call me written on it which is so much restraint if i were this guy and i had been handed this opportunity i would have been like you guys go to her go i gotta wake up the grotto I I need to at least, like, plant the seed of, like, hey, I'm not out to get you. Things are cool. Mm-hmm. Please, please, can we just meet? I have nothing. I'm not turning you in. You're good. I, I'm not here. I just have questions. I just need to know it for myself. Like, I would have to say something. So, Rothmiller, so Mike Rothmiller knew that Robert, that Bob Kennedy had been in Los Angeles on the day that Marilyn Monroe died, um, which was a fact that actually had been denied for many, many years by LAPD. And he knew also that there had been a cover-up by the LAPD, but he didn't know what exactly had happened. So he was like, must know. So a week later, Peter Lawford actually called Mike Rothmiller, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. It, it so worked. he was, yep. So he was super paranoid, really wary of talking to this guy. And he actually was convinced that Mike Rothmiller was with the CIA. Paranoid much? Why? Why are you so paranoid? Oh, because you have something to hide? Huh? Maybe because the fucking mafia? Because truly, if you hadn't have done anything, you would just throw that shit away, right? Totally. I don't want to be bothered. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm at the mansion. Leave me alone. I'm drunk in front of a TV. <laughs> right, life's great. <laughs> not so great is what this means. Paranoid. Mm-hmm. Not good. But he managed to actually convince him to meet with him. And they met at a park off of Sunset Boulevard the following Saturday. And Mike Rothmiller was like, look, I'm investigating the death of Marilyn. And he re- reassured Peter Rothmiller or Peter, um, Peter Lawford, excuse me, um, that he was not wearing a wire or recording device. And he I'm just not out to get you. I just want answers. Yeah. Yeah, he just wrote up the interview as soon as he could from memory. So, again, thank goodness he's been writing all those, like, notes from memory. <laughs> thank God. He got really good at it. Seriously. Um, like, training so at his first, mind to, like, absorb. 
Seriously. Facts. Good for him. So at first, Peter Lawford gave him the official version, the story that he'd been telling for 20 years. Yeah, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Wasn't there. Yeah. She killed herself. Bye. Yeah. Like how the actress called him on the day that she died, sounding woozy, low, and she asked him to say goodbye to the president for her and to right. say goodbye to yourself because I'm you're killing a nice myself. guy. Bye. No, that didn't happen. She Marilyn wanted nothing more than to be happy and married and to have a family. And she to be loved. She talked so much throughout her life about how she wanted to be a mom and she wanted to have kids because she never had a family. And God, she spent so many, so many people don't know this about her, but she spent so much time going to orphanages and visiting with kids because she was that kid. And it meant so much to her to devote time to that. People don't talk about that. And That's so she wanted nothing more than to be a mom. And animals. She was a big animal person. She still wanted things out of her life. She was sad and had a lot of anxiety and dealt with depression because of bullshit she had to come up against. But no, I don't believe it. Well, in addition to his part of his uh, official story, he claimed that he had called emergency services after he'd gotten off the phone with her. And then when they arrived at her home in Brentwood in West L.A., she was already dead. But then he said to Mike, yeah, that's actually not what happened. I think Roth Miller said that his home was bugged. Got it. Okay, so he bluffed him and said that LAPD had bugged his home because he was they so were close to the truth. Yeah. So the detective, or I guess that's what, I don't know if he was technically a detective, but the guy we're talking about, Mike Roth Miller, who has been investigating this since he was in his twenties, when he was talking to Peter Lawford, he was like. I'm going to call his bluff. And he's like, look, mm-hmm. I'm, I know it's you. And I've gone so deep in this bullshit that mm-hmm. my own home is bugged. Okay. I know what's up. So just fucking spill it because you're not going to pull this bullshit over my, mm-hmm. my eyes. Like I'm here for it. So just yeah. tell me what's up because I, I need to know the rest of it. Cause I'm already like fucked. Mm-hmm. So that bluff 100% worked. And then Lawford's like, well, fine. Peter was like, okay, here are the deets and he started with the horrific events that started at frank sinatra's lodge party in lake tahoe, lake tahoe. so the lodge was actually part of a casino resort that was owned by frank sinatra and the mob of course um which was on the border of nevada and california um and Marilyn flew there for the last weekend in july on the singer's private jet so Peter Lawford was there, but he kind of kept his distance following in a row with Sinatra. He saw the singer applying uh, Marilyn with alcohol and yes, pretty much he knew what was going to happen. Yeah, so he she fucked was, her up on pers- like purpose. Yeah. So she was carried semi-conscious into a back room where she was R-worded by Giancana, the Chicago mob boss. So Frank plied her with booze so his mob boss, like, disgusting friends could totally sexually abuse this poor woman and she was abused by a group of men and women and pictures were taken of her for blackmail for blackmail material and some featured her with prostitutes so lucky lady not only did they get to have their like fun with her they also took evidence Mm -hmm. made up evidence or whatever that you know shows her in a bad light so yeah. it's like if she ever tries to talk about this or tries to talk about, you know, probably that. Probably paid off by the Kennedys. Probably. And, you know, now she's great. She's just a dumb bimbo. So whatever. No one's going to believe that she didn't do that. So when Marilyn woke up 
Sinatra, like, called her out in public, warning her to say nothing about her affairs with the Kennedys, and she was left to sleep off her ordeal, and then she was just sent home the following day. ship her out. Bye-bye. Brought her in for this purpose. Now she's gone. Now bye. But these threats, sexual violence, and blackmail wouldn't silence her because she was a badass bitch, and it only made her more angry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she started talking to anybody who would listen to her about everything that happened and everything about the Kennedys. The day before she died, she had an interview that appeared in Life magazine, which she was quoted as saying, fame will go by. And so long I've had you, fame. Meaning kind of like if you take into account everything that's going on in her life, it's like, fuck this. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be me. And if being me means I'm going to blast all this bullshit, like, great lose my career i don't, don't care. care it's nothing i want to feel good about myself it's and not worth that all means of this. you guys are gonna go down mm-hmm. um according to peter lawford bobby kennedy decided to pay Marilyn a visit himself great. so saturday august 4th 1962 he flew his little private bullshit jet to la and he met up with peter lawford his brother-in-law and he phoned the actress from peter lawford's beach house in santa monica and that both of them drove over to her house when bobby kennedy uh ordered her to hand over her infamous diary marilyn was like fuck that i'm not giving you bullshit and she according to peter lawford like grabbed a kitchen knife lawford placated her and said like he tried to play a middleman and was like kennedy you need to chill out get outside i'm gonna talk to Marilyn." and they but they returned later that evening Marilyn seemed kind of hazy according to him he said maybe she had something to drink but she wasn't intoxicated um once again the scene kind of escalated and got heated uh what do i want or the actress yelled at kennedy like what what's your point of being here what what's yeah. going on i don't want to be treated like a fucking whore and ignored she said according to peter kennedy was getting pissed off remember he has um a temper of like getting mad at people since like college mm-hmm. days and yeah. he fully went all in on that temper he slapped her he grabbed her wrist he was swearing at her she kind of struggled to get free she did and she fucking slapped him back according to Lawford. While Kennedy searched the house for her diary, Lawford sat with her and the sofa in the living room and he was trying to calm her down because he's kind of thrown in the middle of this. He didn't know going into this that Bobby Kennedy was going to be all in on like fucking her up. He thought Mm -hmm. it was like, let's go talk to her and kind of like get on the common ground. Um, So they started to calm down, but then they would get mad and then they would calm down. It was just kind of like that for a couple hours, it sounds like. Bobby Kennedy upended drawers in search of her little diary and Marilyn was screaming like, just please get the hell out of here. I don't want anything to do with you guys. I know that you're an asshole. Please fucking leave. I'm done. He threatened her alternatively or alternately warning her to like, quote, shut your mouth and promising to pay her off. Just give it to me. I'll give you money. Eventually Kennedy went into the kitchen and um and he kind of got like a creepy sort of calm lawford left Marilyn's side and went to just like talk to bobby kennedy and say like please please let's just leave it's getting out of hand neighbors are gonna hear us at this point like i want to just go i didn't know this what like was gonna happen tonight i want to go home i don't like this yeah and then he started to notice that um or not no started to notice he saw bobby kennedy stirring a glass of water with a spoon he appeared to be pouring something into it, he said. Lawford asked 
what what are you doing? And Kennedy snapped, nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Marilyn was crying head in hands when the two men went back into the living room. Drink this, you'll feel better, Bobby Kennedy told her. Assuming the water was dosed with a sedative, just, just a sedative, Lawford encouraged her, just drink it, because he thought maybe she'll calm down, which will make him calm down. Then I can go the fuck home. She started to drink from it, and she remarked that... Pause. I love how the woman has to calm down. I know. Okay. I sorry. agree. I 100% agree. Why can't he like, fucking calm oh, down? Okay. Why can't you just fucking leave her her home? Her home. Yeah. Get the fuck out of her Go home. Away. It's her house. She Not took a house. sip, and she made a comment about how it didn't taste good. It tasted unpleasant. But he, he meaning Bobby Kennedy, urged her, just finish it. Just finish it. Just drink it. She drank it, and she lay down. Now that she was quiet, both men, like, full-on went in on searching her home for this diary, but they didn't find it. When they bit, went back to the living room, Marilyn had not moved at all. She was leaning back with her head tilted backward and appeared to be sleeping. Bobby Kennedy shook her shoulder kind of back and forth until a look, like, groggy but obviously drugged Marilyn kind of stirred up. What? Like, Ugh. I'm here, but I'm, like, really out of it. Her yeah. voice was very quiet. It was just like a small, small, tiny whisper. She slurred. Yeah, they couldn't even make out what she was saying. Kennedy said her name, but she seemed to pass out, didn't respond to it. Lawford asked Kennedy, what did you give her? He stared at her, then turned to him, didn't answer. Now she was showing no signs of life. Peter Lawford shook her, but her complexion was starting to turn waxen at this point, and he said she's not breathing. What did we do? Like, what did, what happened? Kennedy said, leave her. They went to the door where they were met by two men. Peter Lawford thought like, shit, the neighbors called people. These are cops here. We're fucked. And then he went, who, who are they? Because Kennedy didn't seem bugged by them. And uh, Lawford (laughs) demanded as they hurried back to the car, like, what's happening? Who are they? And Kennedy didn't say anything. Um, Turns out they were like president presidential like secret service type of men you know like Mm -hmm. they're with him they got back in the car which is a lincoln continental and demanded um kennedy demanded like we're going to the fucking airport drive me we're going now lawford in full shock because not only has he now he knows maryland's like dead or on death's door they should be giving her cpr like yeah this is what should be happening right now but now i'm being forced into a car with the president's brother and like secret service are here and you're yelling at me and i'm supposed to drive a car to an airport and what the fuck's happening he's just like spiraling peter lawford um so what happens though that's really interesting to corroborate this entire thing is that there was an la traffic cop that can confirm the sequence of sequence of events um detective lynn franklin saw their car the lincoln continental It was doing 70 miles per hour, which was twice the legal limit in the area they were driving, on Olympic Boulevard at 12.10 a.m. on Sunday, August 5th. But Bobby Kennedy wasn't present in L.A. at the time. How dare you? No, no, no! So, Lynn Franklin, the cop, he pulled the car over because they're speeding by. He recognized Peter Lawford because he's an actor. And he said, Pete, what the hell do you think you're doing? And he said, I'm trying to get the attorney general to the airport. Franklin, the cop, shone his flashlight into the back of the car. He saw Bobby Kennedy and said he didn't look happy, he remembered. The cop pointed out that they were heading in the wrong direction. 
And then Bobby Kennedy in the back said, I told you, stupid. Detective Franklin, who was one of Beverly Hills Police Department's most decorated officers, recounted this in his book that he later wrote in 1999 called uh, The Beverly Hills Murder File. Roth Miller did not need Franklin's evidence, the cop, to know that Robert Kennedy had been in town that day, but it was just even more so, mm-hmm. like, great. He knew that, though, because... um. It was in that record in the in um, the now non-existent LAPD OCID record base. What's interesting is that this cop who later wrote this book about pulling them over, he survived two attempts on his life. Why were How people trying to fucking kill him? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, for the rest of his life, Bobby Kennedy denied that he had been in L.A. on the night Marilyn died murdered um at 9 a.m on sunday august 5th he was not far away however he was only 310 miles to be precise on a sunday mass in a church near san francisco with his wife and four other kids of course america's dad goes to church <laughs> with his family back at the house in brentwood an lapd search team did end up finding her diary but they dispose and dispose of the glass that kennedy gave Marilyn. so the one that had the drink that the fucking her. poison mm-hmm her naked body was posed for photographs both with and without a telephone in her hand. So they, she was found on her back at the crime scene. But mm-hmm. the images they released to, like, the National like National Enquirer and all these whatever magazines and the press showed her fucking holding a phone. They staged, like, her pills by her to make it, like... Look like Who a does not have at least five prescription bottles in their home at any given fucking time? Okay, they took all of hers and lined them up on her nightstand and made a whole thing, put her hand and like holding the phone so it looked like I killed myself and I'm calling everybody that I love. They staged a whole thing because her there's so many witnesses who have come forward and said that's not how our body was. Well, and the evidence was that like there was blood pooling on her the backside of her body to indicate that she was she spent a lot of time on her back yeah. before they moved her. Yeah, they moved her and they staged it. They put a phone in her hand. They lined up her pills Stupid. like it was like, a, oh, I'm going to grab all my pills and this is what happened to her. And it's like, no. no. So the print that was released to the press, like we're just saying, was her face down holding her phone. Though the original post-mortem results showed that she was on her back Yep, when she died. Um, the post-mortem also showed that sedatives... Um, and all of these, like, nematol, coral hydrate were found in her body. But the police officer, Roth Miller, believes that the drink Kennedy gave her contained a military-grade lethal poison that he was probably given by CIA or whoever connection, or whatever like thing he had. creepy cop dudes that came and showed up yeah. to the cleaners. <laughs> and that the toxicology, like, didn't show that because they weren't testing for that or it was just too primitive to trace um Mm -hmm. when peter lawford died he was in full like spiral mode alcoholic wreck in 1984 and roth miller has never doubted the truth of his confession he said during my years of interviewing victims and interrogating suspects i had only seen this type of response a few times it was clear he had been carrying this burden for many years and in all likelihood this guilt had destroyed his career and sadly him as a human being but now he appeared comforted and serene having released this horrible burden he'd been forced to carry so 
this is just a wild thing to me. It's always so sad when it's like you hear for me when I hear like it's her birthday, like Marilyn would be like 80 years old now. And it's like, it's just sad. It's a waste. It's a fucking waste. Yeah, because she probably would have lived her career, got things her ways, like the world became slightly more progressive, had like kids Mm -hmm. or adopted kids and finally found like her family, like made her family, whether she got married or did whatever. Yeah. She probably would have been a great mentor to a lot of other women and even men and kind of like the people who are labeled outcasts and she probably would have been great, like a great pioneer for those kind of people who feel like unused and tossed aside i feel like she would have been great for those people and there's so many people who feel that way people like me though like i didn't know much about her i i really didn't i didn't know a lot about her history i knew that she was a blonde busty lady that sang and was in movies and like that's kind of it like, yeah i didn't know her history like i didn't know what she did on the side um you know a, like a lot of movie stars you just kind of like you know them for their movies. And yeah, that's it. totally. Yeah, she hustled. By the way, uh, Peter Lawford, I looked it up because I was curious about him because I was like, I don't really know shit about this guy. He actually was a member of the Rat Pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess later he was really, like, he was in a bunch of good films and whatever. But oh, yeah. He was, later, a, he was a legit actor. Later, he was more just, he, they said he was famous for being famous. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, think about it. He's in the Rat Pack and he's married to a Kennedy, kind of gliding at some point, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a handsome dude. Yeah. Good looking dude. What a bummer. Well, anyway, so we're convinced that 100%. she was killed 100%. Do not believe that she killed herself. No. Absolutely Her not. life was so shitty for so long. There's so many other things. Her, her mom and her never knowing her dad and foster parent after foster parent like fully mm-hmm. just abandoning her that shit if that shit didn't drive her over the edge which it almost did that's what would have done it who wouldn't have been the shitty Not kennedy fucking brothers. kennedy she only Mm-mm. met had one night with him is what people have really studied her life like one night and it was done by the time she did that birthday like song for him they had already mm. had their one night where that was the only time they crossed paths where it could have had enough uh, time for them to hook up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. She moved on. She had more faith in Bobby Kennedy, but she yeah. didn't spend that much time with him. He's busy and doing his other horrible bullshit. But no, it wasn't that. Uh-uh. I no. Nope. 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 So I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is a kind of. Hollywood. I'm mad. I'm like crime. mad right now. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone ever tells you that, oh, poor Marilyn, she was so frail and weak, tell them, no, she wasn't. She was a badass and she was a pioneer and she. Shame on you. In a lot of ways, otherwise. was just as, you know, much of a hard ass as Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball kind of did the like, you know, gal pal, like stand up, like leading woman comedian. Mm-hmm. Marilyn did the same thing. She was just cornered into a role but then she made it her own and Mm -hmm. horrible hollywood contracts made it impossible for her to break free of it (sighs) and so she forced her way to break free of it and she was doing great and then this shit happened i hate it i agree i agree well i think next week is when 
we will have our special special guest. And at some point, we'll celebrate 100K. Yeah, I don't know why that will be, but we'll make it happen. Tomorrow, 8 a.m. Okay, great. Great. Super. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, should we spin the wheel for the future future? Or is that... I'm going to say no. We're going to forget. Because we'll do interview, and then I feel like that will give us a little more wiggle room for what the fuck are we doing for 100k okay does that make sense Sounds great that makes a lot of sense thanks bob (laughs) (laughs) all right guys well we hope you enjoyed this was infuriating to me Me just reading all of this stuff i was like i didn't know this shit this makes me mad i'm just mad because i think like during the Kennedy assassination episode, I was like, oh, man, poor guy. I mean, not that Kennedy, I don't think Kennedy was necessarily involved, but maybe he told his brother, hey, ask your shitty shit shit friends for, you know, some kill juice. Yep. Kill Who that, knows? Kill sure that lady. No. That's so now I'm sure. just mad about that whole family. Like you always say, don't trust people with lots of money. Never. People that have more money than you, don't trust them. Mm-mm. Never. 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 You have more money than me? I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You could be a good person. That's fine. But sorry. No trust. (laughs) (laughs) Only trust vampires. Because they're sexy. (laughs) They have very old money. Old money. It's not not their fault. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Join us next week. This is the Night Guys podcast. I'm Liana. I'm Erica. All right, bye. Bye.